All right. Well, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now we stand and, and we honor and reverence this time because we believe that this is the perfect Word of God. And it tells us His perfect plan for us. So Luke 8, verse 22. When you've got it, say, yeah. yeah. And if you're cheating, say, ye. <laughs> One day... He got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. Let me hear you say danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke. And rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? May the blessing of the Lord be upon the reading and the studying of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's no one else that we go to. Jesus, you have the words of life, and your word is life. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and make us ready, empower us to live these words out in our lives, even before we walk out these doors. We can only do it by your power. So, Lord, we give up our will. We surrender who we are so that you can take control this morning. Speak to us what we need, words of peace, encouragement, words of discipline, stern words, firm words, words of guidance, words that lead us and guide us into your truth. As always, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of our lips be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat this morning. Oh. Well, the message this morning, as you can probably tell, is, is called Calm the Storm. And we've been, we're continuing a, a sermon series called Not Worried. That's the proper pronunciation. Because when, whenever we have a situation in which we could worry, when we're not worried, it always surprises the world. It always, sometimes it surprises other Christians. What do you mean you're not worried? You're filling with water. You're in danger, raging waves. You're, they're about to take your house away. You're about to lose your business. What do you mean you're not worried? And what we've come to find is that we need to get in a position to condemn worry period. One of the things that I found, remember I told you, I have hundreds and hundreds of books in my library. Again, my daughter said I have the coolest library, so if she said it, it's true. And out of all of those Christian living books, out of all those theology books, out of all the Christian life books, leadership books, that this is the only thing that has the word worry in my library. 
I called it last week, worry is the gateway vice. Because worry will always lead to other vices. If we begin to worry, it will always lead us to a not good place. This was a teaching that Jesus said, hey, I'm addressing this in the beginning. Take no thought for your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink. Don't worry. Do not be anxious. The Lord knows what you need, and he's got you. Not worrying is something that should be the experience for the everyday normal Christian. It's not just reserved for super Christians, fasting Christians, uh, in shape Christians, out of shape. It, it, it's, it's, it's supposed to be something that we all experience. And so this, this book is called Putting an X Through Anxiety, Breaking Free from the Grip of Worry and Stress. And it's just, it's, it's a companion to a book called Goliath Must Fall. And I want to give this copy to whoever wants it. Whoever wa- Here, I should put it like this because then y'all will forget it's here. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Ted. Wisdom right there. So y'all are looking at Ted. It's like, what do you mean you're not worried? All right. So why are we studying this? This, this passage in, in, in 2024, because the storms of life are always going to come. There's always going to be another storm. I wish that there was always going to be another mountain, and I'm always going to want to make it move, but there's always going... No one got that? Come on. That's, thank you. But that doesn't, that doesn't encourage me right now. Everyone should get that. There's always going to be another storm, but what matters is how we respond to that storm. What matters matters is how we respond to the storms that come our way, and our response will be not worrying. Amen? Let's look at verse 22, and let's dive, dive in. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake, and so they set out. Now, I, I want for us, as, as we study this, I want for us to keep in mind everything that Jesus has taught and everything that he's done so far. Because he's taught things that are life-changing, groundbreaking, but he's also performed miracles to the power of God, being God himself. So some of the things are, he's raised the widow's son. He healed the centurion's servant. He taught about building our house on the rock. He taught about the tree and its fruit. He, he taught the Beatitudes and loving our enemies. He healed a man with a withered hand, and some people were bothered by that. Can you believe it? He healed a paralytic. He cleansed the leper. And I think one of his biggest miracles was that he called his disciples, people who were not worthy enough, men who were not worthy enough to follow another rabbi. He says, you're worthy enough. Follow me. As a rabbi. So keeping in mind all of these groundbreaking, life-changing things, we jump into this. Now Jesus had been ministering to the multitudes, and he was exemplifying to us how we should minister and live our lives. Jesus here is needing rest. He's tired. He's tired of, 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 of teaching. He's tired of being in front of all these people. He wanted to get to the other side of the lake. Now, the other side of the lake 
was an important site because it was uninhabited, meaning it was a perfect place to find rest, to renew and be refreshed. So Jesus had a mission, and he told all his disciples, here is our mission. Get over there to rest, renew, and refresh. If the leader is doing it, those who are following the leader is doing it. If shepherd is doing it, the ones that shepherd is leading are going to follow. The baby's name is shepherd. Sorry for those that don't know. Okay. He's incredible. We're, we're three for three on cute babies recently. I'm like, praise God for the blessings that he bestows. All right. A couple of questions that, that I started to think about as, as, I, as, as the, the Lord was putting this together. Question number one, are they where Jesus wants them? I'd say, yeah. Here's a mission. Let's get over to the other side, get in the boat, get over to the other side. Let's find some rest. Number two, did they agree to be there? Did they consent? They said, yeah. We're going to follow you wherever you go. You have the words of life. There's no one else we can turn to. Yes. Are they going to where Jesus wants them? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's important that we understand this truth because we sometimes think we'll avoid danger, we'll avoid challenge, we'll avoid opposition, we'll avoid persecution when we follow the Lord our God. Chances are that storm is there for a reason. Look at verse 23. As they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. This proves to me that Jesus had a mission. He wanted to get to the other side to rest. And so he falls asleep. He's tired. He's physically tired. When you're pouring yourself out for others, when you're standing in the gap for others, when you're praying for others, when you're ministering to others, we believe in a priesthood of all believers. When you're ministering to one another, it sometimes takes a toll. Sometimes it seems like you care about the pit that the person you're talking to more than they care about the pit that they've fallen into. And that's draining. And so Jesus goes to sleep. He gets on board. He falls asleep. One commentator said he was he was lulled to sleep by the gentle, steady movement of the waves. This reminds me that he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And even when a storm is about to come, he is still the Prince of Peace who gives his peace. So Prince of Peace falls asleep and a windstorm comes. Notice how the windstorm waited for Jesus to fall asleep. You notice that? Because I, I think if he would have if he would have been awake, he would have been like, okay, stop. <laughs> but there was a lesson to be taught here. The windstorm waited for Jesus to fall asleep, and just like that, storms of life will sneak up on you and me. 
They will wait for the, inop- for the opportune time, which for us is the inopportune time. Right? They will wait for your five minutes late, and you go and you start your car, and it doesn't start. The storms of life will wait. You're, you're already about to get there. You've got your whole day planned, and you get a flat tire. You had someone that was going to pick you up and you had a plan for an awesome day and they call you and they say, because they're Coloradians, I'm a little sick, I can't come. Another cub, I can't come, pick you up. Terrible jokes, I know, but the Lord will weather us through these storms. And, and so storms wait for inopportune times to catch us off guard. Storms were not unusual on the, on the Sea of Galilee, though. It was a regular occurrence. It was something that would happen, not often, but it wasn't a rare occurrence. And so the disciples find themselves with the Prince of Peace on board. Their rabbi, the one whom they're following, he takes a nap, and all of a sudden, a great windstorm comes, raging waves, and the boat begins to fill with water. And they're in danger. How many of you think they had a reason to worry? Come on. Yes. They had a reason to worry. Listen, we're all going to have reasons to worry. It's what we do when we get those reasons to worry that matters. I mean, imagine the water's coming in, the the, the boat's moving, he's asleep, and you're like, how... (laughs) <laughs> How are you asleep? And, and they're in danger. My question to you is when they're in danger, who were they following? Prince of Peace, Savior of the world. They're following him. They're where they should be. They're going to where they should be. And yet they find themselves in danger. I think it's safe to say that they were in danger. Commentators are so stuffy sometimes that they're like, well, they weren't really in danger because Jesus wouldn't have died because he needed to die on the cross. And I get that, and that's true. But these disciples were still in danger. When a boat is filling with, imagine you're on a cruise. Would you not think you're in danger? That was the scariest. I I would not go on a cruise. I would not go on a cruise. But I want you to know something. That the danger does not change who we're following. We might be in danger, but as long as we're with him, we're going to be okay. Danger does not change who we're following. Persecution does not change who we're following. Attacks of the enemy do not change who we're following. He's still king of kings, still lord of lords, still the almighty. He fell asleep. The winds came. They were filling with water and they were in danger. Look at verse 24. And they went and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. 
just by them repeating, Master, Masters tells us that they were a little worried at least. You only say, you only repeat the person you're talking to when something's about to happen. If they're walking and they're about to hit a pole, hey, hey, you're about to, you're about to hit a pole. If they're driving and they're, they're about to turn into a lane where there's someone there, you're like, hey, 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 there's someone there. And they're like, stop backseat driving. And you're like, I'm sorry. Anyways, the only way, the only time you repeat is when danger is imminent. Imminent. And they're afraid of dying. You know how I know? Because they say they're dying. We're perishing. We're about to die. We're in danger. Master, master, what do you have to do? It must have been a violent storm and agitation to, to, to frighten experienced fishermen who had already gone through many a storm. Are you with me? It must have been something crazy. It must have been something fierce. To, to frighten them, to have them quaking in their little sandals, not boots. Those raging waves, they, they represent a violent agitation. I'm telling you, you and I have to understand that violent agitations are going to attack us time and time again. The question is, what are we going to do when they do? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond when they come? It's good to turn to the Lord. Absolutely. But we turn to the Lord not out of worry. We turn to the Lord out of faith. So what did Jesus do? He awoke and he rebuked. Imagine, like, when, when you're waking up, you're like, oh, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you waking me up? I told them that you were going to spank both of them. Oh, okay. Bring them. Bring them on. <laughs> that, that's never happened. I don't know why I said that. Happened to me as a kid, but not to our kids. He wakes up, and he's ready to rebuke. He wakes up, and he's ready to set the record straight. With the storm. This storm shouldn't be here. And what that tells me is that we need to rebuke our storms. When those storms come, when you get that bill that, that you didn't expect, when, when that friend emails you, texts you out of nowhere, and, and took offense to something that they shouldn't have, whatever, we need to rebuke our storms. When they say we're going to have to cut your pay, not only are we not going to give you a raise, we're going to have to cut your pay. We need to rebuke our storms. When they say you're not qualified for that promotion, we, we, we need to rebuke our storms. When, when, when they say they, that your kid is backslid and there's no hope for them, we need to rebuke our storms. When you believe that you're addicted to something and that there is no hope for freedom from that addiction, we need to rebuke our storms. Are you with me? Jesus awoke and he rebuked the storm. Notice that the waves flattened out suddenly into an immediate calm. 
where there was a violent agitation, where there was a violent storm, immediately there was a calm. That's so good. I mean, imagine how the disciples felt. They're like, Master, Master, we're perishing. I can imagine the things that they were probably doing. They probably had buckets and they were trying to get water out. They were probably trying to move the sail in such a way that, I mean, they, had, they, they were experienced. I, I imagine all the strategies are, should, should we throw this off to, you know, jettison some of the weight off uh, that, that's on board? Like, like, what can we do? I imagine all of that. The second Jesus wakes up, he woke and he rebuked and immediately there was a calm. I take great joy in this because this tells me that Jesus has authority over storms, even yours. You might have made a mistake and you regret that mistake. Jesus has authority over that storm. That storm that says you'll never get back to where you were. Jesus is a redeemer and he brings new life to where there was death. He redeems and he restores to better than factory, better than brand new. And he's speaking that. And he wants us to speak and believe that he has authority over any storm that is wrecking with our self-image in him. Any storm that is telling us lies and we're believing those lies rather than believing him. Look at verse 25. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him, that they obey him. I find it funny that Jesus, he just wakes up and he's in rebuking mode. <laughs> he's like, Rebuke the storm, rebuke you disciples. Why didn't you believe? Where is your faith? He's not rebuking them because they were worried. He's rebuking them because of the, he, he's not rebuking them solely off of the fear or because of the fear. He's rebuking them because that fear caused them to have a lack of faith. That's why he's saying, where is your faith? The fear caused them to have a lack of faith. And that's what he's rebuking. He's not saying, I, I wanted for you to do the impossible, to do just like me. He's rebuking them because they had a lack of faith. Remember I shared all those things that he had done previously? They had seen all of those. And they should have known that he has power and authority on earth of God. They should have known. But here's what I find comforting. Jesus was on board, and they should have put their faith and trust in him. They did. Ultimately, even in waking him up and saying, Master, Master, who else can we turn to? Can you do something about this? We tried to do what we could do. We tried to formulate a strategy. We tried to take ourselves out of this pit, out of this hole that we had fallen into. We tried to take ourselves out of the effect of this storm. 
But we've got to wake you up. Jesus was on board with them in the midst of the storm. And they were okay. And as believers, Jesus is with us every day, even through the storms. And because of that, we're going to be okay. Simply because he is with us, we will be okay. You see, they, they allowed worry and fear to displace their faith. They allowed worry and fear to, to say, hey, let's, let's get that faith out of here. I mentioned this previously, worry and fear will come to all of us, and that's okay. It's how we respond to that worry and fear. Are we able to say when that fear comes, perfect love casts out fear? It's easy to know that, right? It's easy to have that on a bookmarker. It's easy to have that, you know, hung up in our rooms. But it's quite another when those words become flesh in our lives and we're able to truly say to fear, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Be gone. I want you to write this down if you can. We displace worry and fear with our faith. Rather than having our faith displaced by worry and fear, we displace worry and fear with our faith. It's not that worry never comes our way. It will. It's not that fear never comes our way. It will. It's not that storms never come our way. And it's not that we never go through storms, but we displace that worry and fear with our faith. Because that storm, that worry, that fear does not change the one in whom we have placed our faith. Notice what, notice how they reacted when Jesus rebuked the storm and there was an immediate calm. They, they feared. They had awe and respect. They said, man, who is this? He's the one we're following. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the, the Lamb of God. He's God himself. Like They, they, they marveled. They, they, they were in awe and respect of him. And I would say this is why it's important for us to not worry and to displace our worry. When God displaces our worry, it will result in praise. When God displaces our worry, it will result in praise. Let's pull that up there. See, it's not, when, when we rebuke the storm, we, we rebuke the storm in Jesus' name. You with me? When God displaces our worry, our storms, our fears, it will result in praise, not just from us praising him, but from those around us that are saying, you should be going crazy, you should be so worried about this, what if this happens, what if that happens? When we displace worry, fear, and our storms, when God does that in our lives, it will result in praise 
I call the Lord the glory vacuum that, that even if people, we, we don't want to be these kinds of people, but that even if people try and retain any glory for themselves, he would receive all the honor and all the glory. When we displace our fear and our worry with faith, it proves that God has power and authority over it and it proves that we've given all power and authority in our lives to Him and that the rule and reign of God in the hearts of those who love Him, the kingdom of God, moves forward in this power. We can accomplish a great deal of things we wouldn't believe if we would just stop giving worry oxygen if we would stop feeding worry we, we subtly for whatever reason we've, we've learned that it's okay to worry a little bit as long as you don't worry a lot Jesus didn't say take little thought for your life he said take no thought for your life so let's rebuke worry out of our lives let's pray ask the Lord God to help us to live in such a way that is free from worry. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you with many situations in our lives. God, there, there's so much going on in the lives and the hearts of, of the people that are in this room. There are many reasons why we could give in to worry. But Lord, we ask that you help strengthen our faith that we would displace that worry and fear, that we would rebuke the storms of life, that we would understand that because you are with us, we are going to get through this. Victoriously, we are going to get through this alive. Thank you that there is no attack from the enemy. Thank you that there is no storm too strong to overcome you. Lord, we rebuke worry out of our lives in the name of Jesus. When worry possibly comes our way, let us see it for what it is. Let us call it out for what it is and let us cast it out and rebuke it out of our lives. It's a vice that leads to other vices and help us to recognize it as such. We put our entire trust and faith in you and you alone. Help us to live this way and receive the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we leave, I'd love to say a blessing over you, if I may. May the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, and may you and I go forth free from worry. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a blessed week.